Hello and welcome to the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, in our first episode in 2024, we're talking about predictions for 2024. Eli, what's new in your world? Is it really 2024 already? I know. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a great year. CES is going on right now. There's like the weirdest stuff at CES. It always has like the really weird stuff, like transparent TVs. And then like five years from now, it's going to be like, you, you literally don't have a transparent TV. <laughs> like you, you have a TV in the middle of your living room and people like have to like look behind to see where their sunglasses are. Like, so <laughs> I think it's going to be a great year. I think this is going to be the year where generative AI, like we actually find the use of generative AI. And also so many companies that built themselves in generative AI are going to go out of business. Just it's going to be wild. What do you think? Did you buy the Rebit R1 device? I got to tell you that I saw ads for the rabbit is being announced and I'm like, I really shouldn't click that around my kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I, when they announced the rabbit, I was like, oh, really? It was a, it was a, like an adult Game Boy. Makes more sense. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what it was at first. I saw posts on threads. And I was like, what is this? It looks cool. I kind of want to have it because it looks so cool. I love the colors and everything. Wait, threads? Yeah. Wait, wait, you, you lost me at threads. You're still on threads? Do you remember that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a new Twitter. Yeah, I thought old Twitter was good enough. I don't know, man. Old Twitter. Nah, we talked about this a lot. But anyway, coming back to this rabbit. So it looks like, as you said, like an adult Game Boy without buttons. It literally has one button on the side only for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And it's a device that costs $200 and apparently is a an assistant that you can just simply talk to. So you tell it, hey, see, seek out some flights or hotels. I want to, you know, go on this journey. And it will basically do that and come back to you with some stuff. So it's it's voice only. It has a camera, which I don't know, it, you know what to use it for and stuff, but it's funky. It comes completely out of left field. And apparently they sold out 10,000 units within a record amount of time. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I have one of those devices also. It's a called a cell phone or and it's an android and it's got ai built into it through google so i i don't get why we need more of these devices i think it speaks to how the cards are being reshuffled because of ai and how new hardware makers try to to gain market share in this technological shift right so this whole the whole play of this rabbit device or the r1 device is basically that you can just control it with your voice and it can, it can understand you much better than any Siri or Alexa. And that is quite charming, right? And so I think it also goes to, back to how a lot of the, like, like Alphabets and Apples kind of like, like, they have been lazy about their voice assistants and how now there's a new entry point for new players on the market who actually have a very smoothly working voice LLM that can work as your assistant. Now, I've also seen this humane thing, that kind of thing you put in yeah. your park, and that's just, that looks super goofy. I think they actually just announced that they let off 4% of their staff, because the idea there is, is way too complicated, right? It kind of projects something on your palm, and, and, and it's like a camera you always carry around with you, but a, a voice device that you activate at any time that works well, uh, it's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not bullish on this at all. I really think that the Google... Apple, Amazon, from a device standpoint, really, it's not a monopoly. They just have the scale and the experience and the budgets to make these things work. It just, it's not just like, okay, Rabbit came up with some cute angle and they can do better with voice assistance. Google can scale up like a voice team tomorrow 
and Google has deals with, you know, the hardware makers and they can actually build these things. Like what happens if Rabbit actually grows in popularity? Now they have to go to wherever their factories are, whether they're here or overseas and start cutting deals. Like these other tech companies, these hardware companies, they already have these deals. So I'm not too optimistic about any startup being able to do this. I think if a startup gets traction, you'll see Google do it tomorrow. It's kind of like, you know, ChatGBT. They got some traction and then Google immediately went into it and Amazon immediately went into it and we don't know what Apple's doing, but everyone's into it, but at a scale greater than startups can do. And, you know, ChatGPT and OpenAI, I think they're fortunate in that they had a lot of money and they had a lot of interest, but if they didn't, they would have gone out of business right away. You know, what's funny is that Google actually just laid off, I think like a thousand people working on their assistant team. <laughs> so <laughs> the timing is kind of comical, but it seems that at the same time, they integrate assistant deeper with search and their other products. So I think that kind of makes sense, right? It never really was that feasible to have a separate assistant team. And then because assistant, it's, it's really just a channel through which other products can communicate like ads, like search, like Gmail, Android, etc. So, but it's, it's kind of ironic that Rabbit announces that device, they sell 10,000 units in record time. And at the same time, Google and Amazon, by the way, let go of a bunch of people working at assistant. Yeah, I mean, so I just got a new phone. We, we, we did, we've done episodes on phones before. I just got a new phone. I got the Pixel 8. So every year I get the new Google phone. And it has a new feature in it called Fix It. So when I write something, and it's it should be familiar to anybody that uses any Google product, all of you that are listening to Google <laughs> products. So Gmail, <laughs> Gmail helps you write. It says the help me write prompt. So Fix It, like I write a text and it just prompts me to fix it. It's kind of like Grammarly, but it seems dumber. But it, they're building AI. So just there's generative AIs all over that I, I think that you don't need separate teams anymore. You don't need any of this. And like, here's a separate, here's assistant and assistant is later on search. It's all one and the same. But let's talk about search for a minute. So Google has their SGE. We've talked about it a bunch. When do you think it's coming out? So I refined my viewpoint a little bit. I was pretty bullish on it coming out. And my new refined opinion is that Google treats it almost like a, like a reservist where it, it will keep working on SGE and elaborating it, but it will keep it in beta until it's forced by some other player like OpenAI or Microsoft or Perplexity to actually roll it out and change the search landscape. So I think actually Google is in quite a, in a good spot in that regards because they don't need to take any of the risks while bearing all the benefits. At the same time, companies like OpenAI, they face a bunch of lawsuits and a bunch of other things, which... I personally think they're going to they're gonna win and they're going to be fine, but it's a, a different topic. And so Google can just kind of sit back and see all these other players making moves and getting, getting gut punches. And at the same time, when one of the players actually makes some ground, Google can just launch what they already have and, and leverage their size to, to be successful with it. What do you think? I'm coming around to that viewpoint also. So I think that Google built SGE and I keep talking to Google engineers it, and it's so much fun. Like when I meet random Google engineers, like in the park with my kids and I, I don't even know their names. And I, I just start asking very pointed questions. They're like, do you work at Google? <laughs> so I feel like I'm onto something when I know things and I know their, their language, like using the word like knowledge craft, that's not a word that most people in the world use. So it sounds like I work on a product. It's related to like movies. I'm like, oh, is it the knowledge craft? They're like, oh, do, where do you, which team are you on at Google? So search team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Searching just, yes, just send me your code base to just send it to my Gmail though. So uh, 
whenever I have these conversations and I ask questions about like, hey, so is it like, where's SGE? Is it coming out? So the thing I'm hearing the most now is that it's fully baked and they haven't been given a go decision. There's concerns around latency that I've heard a lot. And that makes sense because for us, like I, I like Google features and I'm willing to wait a couple of seconds to see SGE roll out an answer. But regular people who just like want the thing to work right away, they don't want the latency. So Google's concerned about that. They're concerned about costs. So every time they run a query with SGE, it's more expensive than a regular query, which makes sense. They're concerned about how it might play with ads because can't have both at the same time. And they're also concerned with risks around the business, whether that is a legal risk from being sued or whether that's a risk from like, this, this is, I was surprised this is actually a concern, but I've heard this over and over. They actually don't want to see if Rand Fishkin is listening, they don't want to see less clicks going to websites because there's this very like careful balance of making sure that websites are getting the right amount of traffic, ads gets the right amount of traffic, and everyone's happy. I'm sure they shift it in directions like, you know, they went from three ads to five ads to pull a little bit more revenue, but they don't really want to say, we're going to go from like this percentage of organic clicks down to like, you know, drop it by 40% in a day. That would be bad. So I, I thought that was interesting that they were, they were looking at that. So in the meantime, it's ready to go, but they have these concerns. I do think they're going to eventually launch it. I think they're going to be forced into launching it. They do have the benefit of seeing that ChatGBT did not continue to grow in ways they were afraid of, which I, which makes sense. So what they were afraid of is they were afraid that it would actually eat away at market share. And I don't think it has significantly, we haven't seen it in earnings. Do you have all the early adopters saying things like, oh, I never use Google search anymore. I just go straight to ChatGBT. So those people probably weren't clicking ads anyway, so I don't think Google cares. But they haven't seen like this dramatic increase in people either going to directly ChatGPT or going to Bing. So you're right. Google, I think, is in a, a good position. Now, for SEOs out there, I would be scared because Google's basically holding like a kill switch <laughs> at any point in time. They could just be like, all right, it's time. Well, I have to say I agree with you. Maybe SEOs having to be scared. Let me put it this way. I would be cautious as an SEO. The, the, the reason I'm saying that is also because Google really benefits from all the attention that goes towards AI because they're actually making dramatic changes in other parts of search that completely fly under the radar now. One that I've been very loud about is the change of shopping searches to from like a search engine to a marketplace. Google has recently added shopping search filters. So when you look for something like Best TV, now on the left-hand side and on the top, you actually get product search filters. So you can you can literally search the sorry, you can literally filter the search results like yeah, like you're on Amazon. And also there is a buy on Google. Sorry, that's actually the old name of it, but it's something like a direct checkout where you can send traffic directly to your own checkout. And that to me are two components that complete the transition to a marketplace. So e-commerce changes radically, and I'm, I'm working right now with some e-commerce clients, so I can attest to that firsthand. It's actually quite aggressive. And the other thing is local. I mean, local is basically maps now, whether it's with SGE or without SGE, it's basically all on maps, which changes the local game. And so, and the, and the third thing I would add is the, the death of third-party cookies, which is not something really new, but something that has been for, in the making for years, and that actually can cost publishers and affiliates dearly. So I think affiliates and publishers are just going to have a really, really bad year next year. And while we're starting to kind of scratch 
2024 predictions, you know, like I think I think this year is going to be really bad for publishers and affiliates. And publishers' only lifeline is to make licensing deals with Google and OpenAI and, and Perplexity. And uh, the fun thing is, I'm going to pause after that, is that Google has actually started paying publishers in Canada. I think an accumulated hundred million Canadian dollars every year, in part because there was a, a government act that forces them to do that, which by the way is the same thing in California. But I actually think Google only lets governments stronghold them into paying for news because they secretly paved the way for licensing deals with publishers. And that's going to be good for publishers, it's going to be good for Google and BART. And in my opinion, the only way to get, not the only way, but the best way to get reliable training data and at the same time be able to surface news in, in, in BART. I'm going to pause there because I said a lot. You keep going. It all sounded great. <laughs> Sounds good. Makes sense. So I got, I got a great, yeah, I, I think everything about search is changing. It's it just, it's so funny in general to see SEO. I had a newsletter post on this this week. Like everything about SEO is kind of the same. Like the advice has always been the same, like do keyword research, write content. And the truth is the entire landscape is changing, whether it's, it's not just generative AI, it's like third-party cookies will impact like advertising and that might impact how people search because maybe they're, they were looking for ads and now they're going to look for organic. So I, I think it, it's everything about marketing is changing this year. And I think that's great. And change is good, especially for consultants who help companies navigate changes. It absolutely is. And there's so much change, again, from all different sides. So I, th I think the, I think 2024, 20, I'm excited about this year as well. And part of it is because there's such an overwhelming amount of change that we have new opportunities to adapt and build new skills and kind of bring a fresh wind into the game and find some new, you know, opportunities to gain market share, drive traffic, stand out, be successful, you know, wh whatever you want. So Eli, what are some of the things that given, you know, 2024 predictions, like what are, what are some of the things that you're most excited about this year that, that are a little bit controversial? Pretty sure that Donald Trump's going to get elected president. So that means everything's going to change. Ouch. We, I think we discussed this last year and we said there's like no chance, but uh, I, I, I think it, it's looking likely. He's ahead in the polls and the world is heading in a direction where people kind of want to just like see somebody like, I don't know, kick the whole dollhouse over. So we'll see what happens there. So I, I think when you have that, like a lot changes, like he was into his own sort of regulation and removing regulation. There's a lot from a regulatory standpoint that's been happening around marketing. So let's, I, I think that will, that will be very impactful. What do you think? What's a big thing you think happening? My excited prediction for this year is that we're going to see a massive economic rebound. I'm not sure if the Fed will actually lower rates this year, but I think we can all agree that the the, the rate hikes have kind of come to an end and it will build confident, confidence in the economy, especially the US economy has shown itself very robust. At the same time, I think, so China's economy is struggling a good bit. And so that's not the only reason, but I think there are multiple factors that just make especially the U.S. economy, really good this year. And it's going to create a ton of excitement and positivity and uh, consumer trust and, and, and hopefully spark some new innovations. Because typically when you have these upward cycles, startups, they get a, a bit more funding and that means people dare more stuff and it means new cool stuff comes out. Now, I, I will say though that funding is still not pretty great, but I could see this year actually changing that. So overall, just economically excited. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, th I think the economy is turning. It'll be 
interesting to see like where the general economy is because there's been this huge slowdown in tech but there wasn't really like a general slowdown in like like layoffs happening all over the rest of america there's been a lot certainly a lot in tech and i think that's changing with, with ai there's just a lot of hiring with ai interest but we haven't seen that other slowdown so maybe this year the other slowdown happens like factories slow down and like retail slows down which again never happened you you mentioned china We've talked about this a bunch. I do think this is the year where something happens to TikTok. I think that, especially if Trump does get elected or Trump ideals start becoming more popular with Congress, I think something happens with TikTok because they're, the government is seeing and everyone's actually seeing that TikTok is a tool of the Chinese government that can be deployed against us when they want. Obviously, TikTok is very, very controlled. Like what the material is that on TikTok is very controlled in China. And when it's in America and it's not controlled and doesn't seem to be controlled and has these sort of trends that are anti-government, anti-America, anti-American ideals, that clearly is intentioned. And there's been papers written about that. So I think something happens. Like we, you think that they're going to straight up outlaw it. I don't know that we have the tools to do it, but I do think there's going to be moves, whoever it's going to be by, to restrict TikTok. And I think that's good. I think so too. I think also that the election this year, the presidential election in the US that is, will see an, an unprecedented amount of, of fake content and polarizing content intentionally to disrupt this whole thing. And there are more than two states, more than two nations, meaning Russia and China, who have high interest of Trump being elected to cause just, you know, chaos in, in the world and especially in the US. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. There are already some elections, as, uh, for example, in Taiwan, where they see just a crazy amount of AI fake news. So I think all of this, all these trends coming together, TikTok and AI and polarization, that's going to that's gonna actually be a, a, a big dent in this year, a big, a big negative point. While we're at AI, I actually am pretty bullish that this year, either Microsoft or Alphabet, maybe Apple, are going to launch a very powerful AI assistant that has access to your text, your emails, if you want to, right? So your text, your emails, your other communication, browser history, and all that kind of stuff, and can actually reliably interface with you. Bart tried something like that, and it's it, it horribly failed. I mean, I'm very disappointed by Bart in general, but I tried it out. I was very excited by the outlook of that, and then it, it just hallucinated a bunch of information. But I think one of these companies is going to get it right, and that's going to be, I think, a new spearhead product to the to the maybe to the level of the iPhone, not as expensive, maybe, but I think that's going to be like one of these products that everybody has to have. It's going to bring an insane amount of commercial success to whoever gets it right first. And it's also going to deepen the modes of the company that gets it first, because when you have, you know, you're incentivized to bring more communication, more context to that platform. Like if it's Apple, then it's your iPhone or Mac. If it's Alphabet, then it's Gmail, Android, etc. And so... You're then going to be incentivized to feed that model and that assistant with more contextual information. So it's going to be good for that company. And I think it's just going to be, I think the time is ripe, the technology is there. And it's just a matter of who gets it right first. But that's that's one of these things that, I don't know if it's super controversial, but that I can that I want to predict for this year officially. You just scared me. <laughs> like I, it, it, That never occurred to me that any, the, I think only Google and Apple could do it they could LLM learn on your entire text life. Oh yeah. That's insane. Not just text, actually voice too. If their Google's listening, I don't know if Apple's listening, but they could. That's, 
That is terrifying. And I think that if Google could do that, they could text for you. They could email for you. They can, res- they can use your voice and respond for you. I mean, I'm, I'm on a Google device. So that means they've got everything. Anybody that's an Apple device, they've got everything. But even if you're not on a Google device, Google still has your Gmail, your search history. They know you pretty well. They know the videos you watch. So that, that's actually pretty scary. I do know like one product Google's trying to build is they're trying to build like, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Netflix suggestion. So, you know, like you go on Netflix to look, watch for a show or a movie, Netflix uses AI to suggest another thing. Google's doing that cross platform. Mm. So when you Google a movie, like I always Google to see if like what an IMDb rating is, I don't want to waste time. And then Google can say, Hey, you watch this movie on HBO. You can watch this other movie on Netflix. And that's pretty cool. And, and that's, I mean, that, that's basically what Spotify does. That's what Netflix does in platform. But imagine being able to do that across platforms like Google can do that for music, whether you're doing it on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. So this whole notion of contextualizing, contextualizing a lot of historic information, user behavior and turning that into an assistant, it's just so obvious and out there. But at the same time, I totally agree with you. It's pretty scary. And so that's why I wouldn't discount Apple because Apple is so privacy first. I mean, look, like most of the time, it's a bit of, you know, some, sometimes they, they they frame it in a certain way, but I think they got good chances in the whole thing. In other, like, again, like Microsoft, I think is just in a very good position overall. Cloud business is great. Some of the applications are moving really fast. You can just see them. They're in, they're in startup mode. They're they're freaking crushing it. And Sachin Nadella is just one of the, the brightest minds in tech out there. At the same time, I think Meta will have a harder year, except for WhatsApp. I think WhatsApp is actually going to crush it, but... I think the rest of Meta will have a harder year because of the lawsuits around the harm on teens and how many young people they have on the platform. I think that's going to be, that's going to like really make their life so much harder. And it just is another nail in this whole board of platforms having to moderate content and being super careful. And I think that's just another thing that becomes super apparent this year. There was a little bit of a scandal around Substack recently where they hosted Nazi content. And so it's just, whenever you host content, it's incredibly hard to, avoid moderation unless you're an ICP or like an, an infrastructure provider like a Stripe. But I think Meta is going to have some some tough battles to fight this year. Yeah, I was just thinking about this the other day about how long it's been since I logged into Facebook.com like because of the website or even got on the app on my phone. It's, I mean, Meta couldn't be stopped years ago and now you're like wonder if like the company even has a future. Certainly WhatsApp is the platform in this you know, amazing platform with over a billion users, but they don't monetize it. So, and then Facebook itself is certainly declining. Instagram is great. Instagram has a future, but they have very, very strong competition in TikTok. So if nothing happens with TikTok, I don't know. I don't know how long Meta survives as a company, like as a, you know, a standalone company with all these great products that are not WhatsApp. I I, I think that's where we, where we disagree. I actually think Meta is in a great place to survive. But they, they will, you know, the, these legal things, they're just, there's nothing to be gained, right? Like there's just, you can settle and, and, and have to make more changes to your platform and algorithms and all that kind of stuff. And then that adds more cost and friction to the products or you lose and then you're forced to, you know, to, 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 to make changes. So either way, it's a bad spot to be in. It's distracting and it's discouraging, right? And as a company, especially like Meta, I know Meta people, I know their philosophy and how they work. They want to grow, grow, grow. They want to be very systematic. They want to make step changes and, and all these legal battles and friction that, that throws rocks in their way. Now, to be fair, if, 
if industry-wide regulations happen, that can benefit a company like Meta because they're in, they're the incumbent and they're they're so established, right? So so some of these things can turn out in their, in their favor, but generally it's 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 friction in their progress and it's just distracting. So they're not very interested in in pursuing that. One more that I want to throw out there that I think could be could be interesting and important. Again, I think tr- traditional media has a, a really damn bad year this year, and I think on the other hand are creators. So I see Google search actually moving towards creators. They just don't want an optimized web anymore. In my opinion, that's that's probably the right move. There's a lot of, it's too much SEO stuff out there. It's too optimized. And, and so I think Google has uh, launched some algorithms to counter that. And at the same time, they're really highlighting creators and people with the perspectives tab, with more Reddit in, in the search results, et cetera. It's not yet flawless, right? There's still some some issues to be fixed. But I think what's encouraging is that a big part of the web moves more towards people again. And uh, an unrefined, unpolished content, and I think that's overall an opportunity and good. Interesting. What do you think about Reddit in general? Do you think Reddit does have an IPO this year? I have to be a bit careful. I don't know. I think they will, and they have recently turned profitable, maybe because of that of of, of the Google Hidden Gems update, which is quite an interesting situation. So I'm generally bullish on Reddit. I'm not. I really think that when, so it's, it's funny when we think about like the comp, the tech companies we love and then they get exposed to the rest of the world for, through an IPO. And you're like, you didn't realize like Lyft was a real company or like that you could invest in it. Like, I don't know. Wall Street never took a lift. I think in the tech world, we look at Reddit. We read Reddit. We know what Reddit is. We have Reddit accounts. I think when the rest of the world discovers Reddit, they're going to be like, really? A porn site is going public? Like, a site that teaches you how to like make bombs is going to go on Wall Street. So I, I don't know that Reddit as it's on its own can survive that, that level of exposure. And I, I think the business model, like the ad business model is good, but as long as there's not that exposure, like they're, the ads that they sell always to me seem very niche instead of like the big global ads like you have on Twitter. So let's see, like, like I'm, I, I I think it'll be fascinating to see how much appetite Wall Street has for tech when they actually do a roadshow. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I would probably invest. Anyway, not investment advice. Don't uh, you know? Know your risk. Don't, in, don't invest based on us. <laughs> I mean, you could. You just invest based on me and don't invest in Reddit. So. Exactly, exactly. And then you can you have some nice <laughs> losses for for you know for for tax loss harvesting. Anyway, Eli, I think that's a wrap. Welcome to the new year. Wish you all the best. Hope that your predictions come true. And I'll talk to you next week. Not the Donald Trump one, right? No, not that one. Heck no. Maybe Putin will become president of America. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. We should have it here. Thanks, Eli. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. 